Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 187 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. Let's get into this. Uh, welcome, welcome. If it's your first time joining, checking out the show, do pull up a bar stool, put your jacket down, bag on the floor, and let me pour you a pint of cool, cold dystopia. And maybe a uh, 250ml glass of melancholic uh, wine, or <laughs> I don't know. That, that all started to feel a little bit partridge there, didn't it? As the words were coming out of my mouth, <laughs> like reevaluating. Like, do you ever get that? Like, where as you're saying the thing, your brain is subconsciously or consciously, like in parallel, going, like, "What are you doing? Why? Why are you saying that?" It's weird, isn't it? Because I think, like, quite famously, about half of people don't have an internal monologue, like, at all. You know? They don't self-narrate in their heads. And here I am with two people happening inside my skull concurrently. The one guy that's saying the thing to you and the other one that's simultaneously gobsmacked at how fucking stupid the first guy's being, even though they are actually the same person. Wow, this has gotten weird. We're off to a great start today, Aid. <laughs> I thought I'd check in and get your political insight and satirical hot takes on the news today. But no, no, it's good to see that modern politics has propelled you into the same nervous breakdown as the rest of us. You've never been more relatable to me, Aid. Well, good. Maybe it is a good start, after all. <laughs> Catharsis from the get-go. This is, of course, episode 187, which is... Uh, I mean, look, we're getting, we're getting nearer and nearer to episode 200 aren't we? Which is quite a big, a big thing. I wonder if episode 200 will coincide with the September live gig. Because that would be cool. You know, the 200th show spectacular at the book club in Shoreditch. It's got a nice ring to it. And, you know, probably more accessible and tempting than the culty Thursday night sermon I have actually branded it as. <laughs> See, this This is how you know this podcast is is punk rock and indie as fuck. Because if I had any sort of budget behind me, if there was any answer to the question, who funds you, you know, other than an explosion of laughter, if I had actual industry backing or whatever, you know, if I had like marketing or like PR guys behind me, then it would be like, so wait, wait, this is your, um, this is your first live show? Is it Aiden? How many, how many Patreons have you got? Like what, 200, 300? Uh, no, um... Uh, 23, I think. Right. Right. Yeah, like, they're super cool, though. And, you know, the shows are doing really well. And, and then there's my, you know, my TikTok and Twitter. So I think it'll probably sell out. Right. Um, Probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, hopefully. Hopefully it'll sell. Right. How are you marketing it? Well, okay. It, it's sort of... um, Is it sort of a, a, a left-leaning... Remainery sort of shoreditch hipster kind of thing where people can come to it and escape the paper thin populism that they're they're all so sick of. No, well actually, um, I'm a cult leader and they should all come unto me as I spread my um. Well, not my joy really. I mean, it's sort of the opposite of joy. So yeah, look, just in case you were unsure by the titles of my shows, you know, and the swearing, etc. Like you, you can rest assured there are no producers and suits in the background guiding the direction of these shows. There's just not. It's mind-blowing. I know. 
Oi, this is too long for an intro. Just get to the news. Oh, God, here he is. So I've just said, like, you're trying to get back to number 11 in the politics charts. Well, politics nerds want to hear about politics. They don't want to sit through nine minutes of you having a breakdown, making yourself out to be Jim Bloody Jones, do they? All right, uh, Matthew, come on. I'm just saying, Marina and Gemma don't babble on about starting a cult. No. Do they? Like, you you wouldn't catch Alistair Campbell having a God complex. All right, Matthew, let's just, let's rein it in a bit, yeah? I'm just saying. And just, like, ease up on the breakdown talk all right like it's it's insensitive you don't think you might be a bit uh, a bit manic a bit bipolar or something well, no not not really really yeah no i mean like i don't like i know i said some stuff about you know battling two sides of my head whatever but yeah like it's not that bad I, i'm just having fun in the intro sort of thing yeah right but it's, it's just like, i mean you sat here talking to me but yeah so but i don't even exist you you what well i'm you but just with a poor attempt at a northern accent and the EQ jack, so it sounds like I'm a, a, a producer or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did, did you think it was weird that, though I have a different accent, I still speak remarkably like you, like similar intonations and, and, and turns of phrase and so on? Well, I don't, um, I don't suppose I noticed. Because you were too busy arguing or, or spoiling for a fight with me. Yeah, uh, I guess so. It's interesting, isn't it? That you're effectively fighting with yourself. At conflict with yourself. I-, I wonder what that says about you. Well, I suppose that I have unresolved tensions in, in my head, or-, or maybe you're the you know physical or psychological representation of certain aspects of my personality that, that I-, I-, I don't Aye. like. And it- it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because I'm a sort of producer figure to you who's, who's challenging you, I- and then you get combative with him. It sort of suggests that you don't like to be challenged. Which is actually quite sad, given your natural psychological state is severely mentally challenged. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Anyway, this has been the weirdest intro since Gervais welcoming Mel Gibson on stage. Let's get into it, guys. This is, of course, a pre-recorded show, dear listeners. Uh, for the benefit of newer listeners, um, I normally do a solo one on Wednesday when we try to make sense of the senseless together. Just you and me knocking back a beer uh, putting the world to rights. And then on Friday nights, I have a guest on uh, who joins me for a glass of wine or a craft ale, whatever your poison. Uh, previous guests have included Marina Perkis, uh, Femi Oliwale, Otto English, Gemma Forte, Ian Dale, Super Tansky. The list is endless. Uh, but this is obviously, this is a solo one. Uh, so on today's show, I kind of wanted to talk about like aging and uh, and getting older. Uh, the changes that we go through as people, because, like, I'm I'm pre-recording this ahead of Glastonbury, uh, where I'm on Danny fucking Price's show, um, opening at the Nomad stage, if you happen to be there. Uh, and it's the first time I will have gone there since, you know, being a father for, for fucking years. I haven't been there. And I've, you know, I'm leaving my kids at home with the missus, um, which is obviously very handy. And I'm hyper conscious of the fact that you know a lot of people's wives and girlfriends would be like uh hang on i'm i'm sorry you you want to go and get drunk in a field watching awesome bands in the vip talk like fucking taking mandy and coke and ipas and like having fun for three days while i'm stuck here looking after two three foot tasmanian devils how about fuck off but fortunately (laughs) for better or worse my girlfriend has begrudgingly agreed to it. Um, I am very, very lucky. I mean, I did agree, you know, before you start 
chastising me for being some sort of chauvinist, you know, part-time dad or whatever. I did agree to let her fuck off for two weeks to Mauritius with her best mate. I did. And she's already been to Vegas with her. And she's already been, you know, she's had holidays. She's had time away from the kids. So I don't think me fucking off for four days is that bad. You know, I think it's kind of, it's not even even. It's not even equal. But it's, you know, it, I'm okay with it. But it's just the optics, man. <laughs> Isn't it? It's the optics of a man, you know, the dad, leaving the kids at home with the missus while he goes off to have fun. Like, there's no escaping it, is there? Or the guilt from it. You know, like, like when my girlfriend went off to Vegas for a week, I was honestly like, have a great fucking time. Honestly, like, have a, have, have a bash. Like, I think it's going to be great for you. Uh, I hope you, you know, I won't mention her best mate's name, um, but I hope the two of you have, have a great time. Just, you know, stay in touch, send me some videos and stuff. I was like, we'll be fine. Just enjoy yourself. And, you know, it was a bit of a pain not having a car for the week because they drove it to the airport or whatever. But, you know, it's fine. Like, I, and even though I know that it's even Stevens, you know, even though I know I've earned this little break for myself and it's kind of half work related, you know, I'm doing political stuff there. I'm performing it's not all just getting fucking hammered although you know let's be real a lot of it will be <laughs> but even though all of that context there's still there's this feeling in my gut that's like oh typical man you know and i can never get away from that like it's kind of fucked isn't it i can literally never fully have a break <laughs> And let my hair down. And that is my burden, people. That is... That is the burden of all straight white male fathers. It is the cross we bear for everyone. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to sound all incelly and chauvinistic about it or whatever. You know, and hopefully you've listened to the show for long enough that you've seen me ranting away on Twitter or, you know, on various episodes about the cost of childcare and, and my disapproval for... The sort of shit that women have to put up with every fucking day, you know. Hopefully you know where I'm coming from. Generally. Broadly. You know, that it, it's a, from a feministy, equalitarian perspective. But I do think sometimes... <laughs> it's a bit... You know, it's a bit... Like, it's a bit fucked that... As a guy. As a dad. You can't really ever have a break you just can't you know and yes i know even just saying that <laughs> like i get like the one half of my brain saying it that and then there's the other half of my brain is like what what the fuck are you doing man <laughs> like but there is a point in here somewhere you know fucking bear with me we'll, we'll find it together we're gonna find this point and it, you know make sense of it you want to climb the podcast charts again aid have you considered true crime? Well, no, uh, but I will commit to taking my audience on a treasure hunt with me where together we both try to navigate the nonsense and non-versation that spills out my pie hole to find our way back to a fucking point together. But anyway, let's let's try and make sense of this. So like as a dad, I guess what I'm saying is you can't really ever have a break. You don't, you just don't get a, a break. Because, like, take Father's Day, for example. 
Father's Day last week. Like when when it's Mother's Day in our house, I get up. You know, I'm up at 5 a.m. or whatever. I've written out the card. I've got some flowers. I've got a box of chocolates. I'm up first like every fucking day with the kids already. Like mornings are my jam. They just are. My girlfriend is more of a night owl. You know, she's up, you know, cleaning, sorting the kitchen out and stuff while I'm like nodding off. I'm nodding off on the sofa at like half eight because I've been up placating the little one since quarter to five in the morning. But anyway, like I'm up, I'm writing out the card. The flowers are there. We make her breakfast in bed. We take her out for a Mother's Day lunch. And yes, it might be a sort of, you know, combined deal with my mum or my girlfriend's mum or my brother's family as well. But generally... The day is absolutely all about mum, right? My girlfriend, your wife, whoever, as it should be. Obviously, it's Mother's Day. But when it's Father's Day, <laughs> I, I didn't even get a fucking card this year. Like my kids, my kids are like six and two. This is like peak Father's Day cuteness. Like I'm not saying I need to be taken out to the pub and waterboarded with Guinness. And taken to a foodie market with a, a live jazz band and something fun for the kids to do so they're distracted. You know, I, I don't need to be spoiled and given a massive pat on the head and a bunch of flowers with a pre-written hallmark thing. Like, you, you do so much for us, Dad. I don't need that, you know, obviously. But would it be nice? Yeah. Yeah, it would. <laughs> would a lion be nice? Yeah. I, I could do with a lion for the first time. In a fucking year. <laughs> would, a, would a card? Would a pre-purchased £2.50 card as the bare fucking minimum be nice? I mean, it might cheer me up a little. Yeah. On, on Father's Day, if I got a Father's Day card, it might... Yeah. And I know that sounds... I know it sounds cunty, but... <laughs> But I mean, like, I'm saying this stuff more in a sort of observational way, more than it genuinely hurting me, right? Like, I don't feel emotionally wounded at the absence of a fucking card. You know, it just happens to be a good recent example of where, like, um, you know, as a man, even with that shit, you literally cannot even complain about that. Like, nobody gives a fuck what you think. Or if you're sad, or if you feel a bit let down, or unappreciated, or if something isn't fair, you know, it's, it's literally like this. It's like, you know, I think I've, I think I've probably earned a weekend off, but no, you fucking haven't. You privileged man's world sack of shit. Like nobody gives a fuck what you think. <laughs> if you're, if you're sad, if you feel a bit let down, you know, or unappreciated, or. Or if something isn't fair, it is it is literally like this. It's like, hey, you know, you know what? I think um I think I've probably earned a weekend off. But no, you fucking haven't, you privileged man's world sack of shit. It's like <laughs> I wonder if maybe um I wonder if maybe I could get 
a card. Oh, boo! Oh, you, you, you didn't get a card? Oh, what are you, 12? You're 42 years old, you piece of shit. You sat there in your three-quarter length shorts and skatewear t-shirt and cap. Like, if you want to be celebrated as a father, why don't you try dressing like a grown-up? You look like you are your own teenage son, for fuck's sake. Like, it really feels like that. It feels like nobody gives a fuck, doesn't it? <laughs> why? Why should we give a fuck, aid? Oh, oh, you took care of your kids? That's what you're supposed to do. What do you want, a medal? That's the bare minimum. You fucking idiot. You twat. You entitled butt-toothed prickhead. And then, and then you'll feel unloved. You know, and then you'll kill yourself. And then the same motherfuckers will be like, we have to do something to curb male suicide. <laughs> Join my fun run. I'm supportive of the cause. What is it about men in their 40s that drives them to take their own lives? Uh, I don't know, man. This man, Philip, was 43 when he tragically took his own life last June. Oh my god. What the fuck happened? That's awful. Well, nothing out of the ordinary, uh, to be honest with you. He felt the same crushing pain of existence as the rest of us. But every time he tried to talk about it, everyone told him to shut the fuck up and pay the council tax. Right, yeah, that actually... um. That sounds about right. In fact, I think it was the last straw when it turned midnight on Father's Day and he didn't get a card or, or anything. And when he lightly mentioned it in passing to his wife and three teenage children, they all got together around the kitchen table and using cardboard and sticky back plastic and a marker pen. Yeah, they made him a, a Father's Day card? No, no, it, it was a mocking participation prize trophy. All right, fucking, yeah, great, great stuff. I mean, look, guys, you know, I'm, I'm taking the piss here a bit. Well, a lot. I did, like, I did get a card. My daughter made one at the Childminders for me. So I got one from her. I got a Father's Day card from my daughter's Childminder. My son, not so much, but it's fine. <laughs> Honestly, it is fine. Honestly, I I will get over it. <laughs> I'm sure. One of my personalities will get over this. I'm sure. Anyway, um, what else is going on right now? So it's Father's Day, um, and then in politics, we've had a we had a bruising fucking vote in the House of Commons uh, Monday night, right? Oh god damn, it was glorious. We we had a uh, Boris Johnson, Jacob Rees-Mogg had their asses handed to them. Um, Johnson, because what? Like, so he's been found guilty or found to have lied to the House of Commons at the dispatch box. We know that. Uh, but then the report from the committee goes to the House for MPs to vote on whether to uphold its recommendations, i.e. a 90-day suspension, had he not already resigned, but also withdrawal of having any sort of parliamentary pass, okay? And everyone was saying, everyone was saying, like, including me, by the way, that the Tories were going to, you know, back down on this. They were going to abstain or fail to vote to uphold it. And then you would have got this, like, awkward, you know, faith in humanity killing situation where the House find he's lied to the House. But the House itself then kind of shrugs like, well, you know, he lied to us, but, you know, we don't we don't care. We like big, you know. The House would have found that he'd lied to the House, but then the House itself would then vote that they don't care about that. 
Like, it's a sort of parliamentary political equivalent of, like, you know, everyone's had a friend like this who gets stuck in a shit relationship and they come out with stuff like this. They go, well, I'm I'm sure he loves me. Really? You know, I, I don't care if he if he lies to me and and takes my money and, and lambasts and and humiliates me week in, week out. You know, I don't, I don't care if he slaps me in front of my mouth. I know he loves me. Really? Like that is what I was preparing myself for. With this lot. The same neutered institution that again you know week in week out we would see it just fail to perform we would see speakers just wave lies and obfuscations and so on just wave them on through you get people saying shit like um uh, uh, mr speaker uh, uh, i i don't think he's actually answered the question oh who gives a fuck sit down you <laughs> know well, I, I think you're um, you're supposed to govern what what happens in here, right? You, I I am governing. I said sit fucking down, you guppy cunt. You know, like I was fully prepared for everyone to turn the same blind eye to Johnson's conduct, as they the, the whole of parliamentary democracy appears to have done for the, like ever since 2016, right? Fully prepared uh, that the report would be noted, but its recommendations ignored. That was. That was the sense that was coming out of Westminster. Even like late last week, they were going to take note of the report, <laughs> but do absolutely dick one else. Well, uh, we'll take note. Of the, like it's exactly the sort of flaccid, limp dicked response to it that we've all come to expect, you know, from the last few years. We will, we're going to take note of it. The, the, the contents of the report have been noted. This is what fucks everyone off, man. Like, like other people lost their jobs from COVID law breaking. And it was this sort of expectation they were just going to turn a blind, just this feeling that nothing ever comes from anything anymore. You know, there's no repercussions. And yet, if you fuck up, you have no such recourse, do you? That is the thing that pisses people off, especially British people more than anyone else. We are so, so prone to emotional responses when it's this sort of stuff. Like most of the time we're stiff up a lip, aren't we? Most of the time we don't really react. Either we're too drunk on politeness and manners. I mean, not me, obviously, you know, go fuck yourself, right? I mean, I mean, we as in the formerly Great Britain, the population, British people, we are either too drunk on politeness and manners or you know we're just too dumbed down we're too distracted we're hooked on love island or too ill-informed or racist to care you know what happens to this guy or that community but give us a story about rich posh upper class millionaires cutting in line right oh well fucking batten down the hatches guys bolt down the windows and deadlock the door because we will kick off about that shit Nobody cared that Johnson lied to them when it was Brexit, did they? I mean, we did, but nationally, nobody did. Journalistically, very few. Nobody cared when he was threatening to beat up a journalist, did they? Like, people were like, he, he, he threatened to beat up who? Sorry, who? What? I, yeah, I don't know who that is, though. Right, but 
I mean, it's not right to go around, you know, threatening to supply the name of a journalist to, you know, or his address to a guy that's going to break his fucking ribs, is it? Whoever it is, even if you haven't heard of them, it's not right. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know, Gary. I mean, why are you asking me this shit? I'm trying to watch Everton. Nobody cares about any of this stuff until you get to cutting in line. You know, posh people pushing in, breaking the rules, unfairness, classism. Ooh, we don't like that, do we? <laughs> oh, that gets the anger shark swimming in my head and yours. And even the Garys in the red lion, you know, watching the football, you know, it really is a case of like, like nationally in the media and so on. It's like, look, they're looting your money. Uh, I, I don't care. He, look, they're closing your A&E. Yeah, but you know, I, I feel fine, to be honest. Look, a posh guy just broke the rules. Oh, motherfuck this. You know, <laughs> that is when the riots kick off in this country. That is when we have had enough. Like, do you remember... Do you remember when Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby got in trouble for not queuing for 13 hours to see the Queen lie in state? Do you remember that? Like it was a day of queuing to go and look at that box. A whole fucking day of queuing, which in itself, you know, what could be more British, really? Half, half that queue is fucking, you know, just Brits joining it, you know? <laughs> Like getting confused and looking for the central line platform. They're like, you know, are we in bank or, or is this monument? I can't see the central line. You know, people lost their fucking minds at that, though. Schofield, Willoughby, queue jumping. That was the first Schofield scandal, actually, wasn't it? That was that was him dipping his toe into tabloid scandal. And people were like he cut in line. They cut in line. That is unacceptable. You know, front page headlines about it. People tweeting death threats. <laughs> they think they're so good, don't they? Well, fuck Schofield. That was that was September last year. That's when that happened. The Queen died. That happened. That was a big thing. Do you know, it was two years earlier. The first reports about him walking away from that teenager with empty balls first emerged. Like, so people, people were more upset by the queue jumping than they were about that shit. You know, it's like, well, uh, well, I don't like hugely problematic age gaps and a, and a rampant abuse of a power dynamic. But but I get off the bus at queue jumping, pal, you know. <laughs> oh, you can you can fuck a teenager if you want to, Phil. But you just wait your turn like everybody else. What? Wait, wait, no, that's, that is not right, eight. That is not. <laughs> I'm just making myself laugh here. So, so anyway, where was I? Um, the thing that fucks people up is the, you know, the recent, over the last few years, the total lack of repercussions. Like, do you remember the scientist guy? throughout coke like the guy that um he broke lockdown to go and fuck his mistress do you remember that and um and wasn't there like an snp lady who went to stay in her second home am i remembering that correctly when that was expressly forbidden also um you know people had house parties that ended up with a 10 grand bill from breaking lockdown rules 
All of these people paid a price, didn't they? You know, relationships broken or they lost a job or there was a hefty fine. And yet the expectation with this vote was like, you know, oh, well, you know, here we go again. They're just going to take note of the verdict, but not actually fucking listen to it at all. So fuck. Oh, wonderful. Amazing. Like, how livid would you be? Like, fuck a noisy and annoying protest. Like, what sort of Molotov juggling carnival would you be having if that was you? Like, you got the 10 grand fine, a 10,000 pound party, while this clown skates from it. Like, I would be giddy with rage. (laughs) I'd be incandescent, glowing. I would, like, broke pensioners would be warming their hands around me in January. I'd be just so angry. Like, just imagine if you had a £10,000 party. Because it sounds opulent, right? (laughs) A £10,000 party. That's like a game show prize. But it was just nine mates and a crate of carling. (laughs) That was a surprise tag for you because you broke the rules. Like, it's the most expensive party you've ever been to, but all of the money went on the COVID fine. And maybe initially you were like, you know what? Worth it. (laughs) I haven't seen anyone in months. We got smashed. It was a bloody laugh. But even if you were like that before, you know, to then see Johnson get away with this to this extent and lie about it, And then just the possibility that the house was going to shrug, you know, like, well, what are we supposed to do? Just welcome him back in, you know, hand him a safe seat for the next election. You know, just the whispers that nothing was going to happen. They were just going to take note of the verdict. That would have been enough to send me over the fucking edge. I promise you. But fortunately, (laughs) you know, to then see it flip round. Oh, it's a joy. Oh, it's amazing. He's been banned from Parliament. You know, the 90 day suspension was upheld, but they've cancelled his parliamentary pass or some shit. So, yeah, fucking cheers, everyone. I don't know if any of you saw it, but I did a I did a tweet thread today about the aftermath of the committee vote. And uh, and there was one point in particular in there that I, I sort of wanted to bring up in the podcast tonight, which was, I think, Boris Johnson's biggest mistake as a sort of sociopathic narcissist was actually quite simple. I think he demanded loyalty from people in a way that was professionally murderous, like he deselected and ostracised and bullied his colleagues, if they didn't agree with him over Brexit. If, you, if you're not going to support me, you've not got a job. That was basically the end of it. And when he got that loyalty back, both from sort of sycophants and very scared, trembling, pathetic, non-minister, you know, that kind of back, back you know, people who just want an easy ride. I don't, I, no, I'm not going to speak up. No, I just want to keep taking my salary and doing donor deals and all that, that kind of person. I think he mistook that superficial support and that ego stroking 
And yes, there's a few fucking cretins in there. You know, your Nadine Dorries, maybe your Jacob Rees-Mogg's and your uh, Simon Clark Smith's, all of these fucking idiots who genuinely, I think, from their perspective, I really think they think Boris Johnson is amazing. They are truly drunk on the Kool-Aid. But I really think Boris Johnson's mistake was mistaking all of that adulation and that sort of obedience and adherence as actual loyalty, as real, true friendship, as, you know, I don't want to sort of put too much of a rubber stamp on this or, or go too over the top, but I think he mistook fake love and fake friends for actual love and adulation. Because as soon as it was politically inconvenient for these guys to continue support him, to continue to support him, sorry, they've like almost unanimously turned away from him and voted against him or abstained and allowed the vote to go through. So his biggest mistake is mistaking fake love for real love. Anyway, this week has been fucking amazing then, hasn't it? Because we've just heard today, Andrew Tate's been charged in Romania. So that's obviously very positive. Charged with rape and, and people trafficking. Uh, Trump is facing jail and he's just been humiliated on Fox News. How about that shit? And now Johnson's been cancelled. So that's, you know, how many more of these fucking idiots are we going to take out this week? Oh, fuck, Berlusconi died as well, didn't he? Thank you, Graham Hughes, for reminding me of that earlier. It's been a veritable bonfire of the balance this week. Um, anyway, guys, look, I have to go. I've got some last minute packing for Glastonbury to do. I've got to check that the kids are still all right indoors and, uh, and give my girlfriend a kiss and a hug and a stroke of her feet to let her know that she's appreciated for looking after the kids while I'm away and that I forgive her for the absence of a Father's Day card. Uh, if you are at Glastonbury and you get this podcast before... Uh, Thursday at 3pm. That is when I'm opening the Nomad stage with Danny fucking Price. Thursday, 3pm, Nomad stage. It's in Shangri-La. If you're not going to Glastonbury, I mean, I, I'll still be there. Like, whether you go there or not has no bearing on whether I'm going there. I'm still going to be there at Nomad, 3pm on. Anyway, if you can't get to Glastonbury um, and you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you grab tickets to the live show, guys. That's happening on the 28th of September. I'm super looking forward to that. It's uh, it's me, Ashley Hayden, very highly regarded political stand-up from the London circuit, and author and Byline Times journalist uh, Otto English. It's also going to be hosted by John Left of the Countryside. He's going to be my MC for the night. We're going to do a live pod. We're going to have a bit of stand-up. It's going to be fun and games. And then I'm going to get smashed with all of you afterwards. So there's still some tickets available, but I would really encourage you to jump on there right now. You can either go to funk 27 .co.uk and then go to the shows section uh, or you could just like go through my tweets there'll be like promo for it on there or actually do you know what i'll put a link in the description of this episode right now uh thank you so much for listening um do jump on the patreon if uh, if you are enjoying sort of three four five episodes of these it's patreon.com forward slash a thompson until next time until i'm back from glastonbury we out this motherfucker mm -hmm.